excited to have Stephanie on our show. Um, for those of you that are new or just joining us, we go live Monday through Thursday at 10 a.m. Please like, follow, subscribe, join, share. Um, if you like any of our content, our YouTube channel is growing pretty quickly as we're uploading all of our content and um, sharing awesome interviews like this one today. Um, I'm even more excited about today as we're starting to really wrap in um, or explore industries outside of hemp or industries that are, I, uh, I guess it's kind of funny for the last little bit, I've said hemp really isn't an industry in itself. It's almost like it belongs in all of these other industries, right? Like agriculture and why is it so important? And what you are doing for the farm has become more of a interest of mine as I've explored hemp, right? Because Realistically, we won't have it if we don't take care of our farmers and if we don't highlight what they're actually doing and the value of what they're doing. So I'd love real quick for you to introduce yourself, share who you are, kind of what you're doing. Um, yeah, and then we'll go from there. Okay, awesome. Um, hey, y'all, my name's Stephanie Nash. I'm a fourth generation dairy farmer currently living in Middle Tennessee. Um, a little bit about our family background as a farm. We're originally from Fresno, California. Um, we were dairy farmers there uh, for the first 80 years, I guess. My great-grandpa started the dairy farm. And uh, in 2008-2009, as most dairy farmers in California realized that farming was not um, a good place to, especially for the dairy industry, to stay in California. And so we started to look elsewhere. And uh, after four or five years of looking, we chose Tennessee. And this is where we are today. We milk around 1,200 cows. Um, I am the manager for our calf program. And I do a little bit of um, health-wise around the farm as well. Um, I have a mission of just advocating for agriculture in my generation as a lot of my generation did not go back to the farm or unfortunately their family had to sell the farm. Um, I have a YouTube series called The Life of a Farmer um, and I love being able to do that. Every episode is a different farmer. Um, they talk about their background, what industry and agriculture they are in. And we talk, of course, about the struggles in the agriculture industry. So people in the community can really see what farmers face every day. Um, and on top of that, I'm a singer songwriter. I do country music. That's my passion, not only for advocating for agriculture, but just bringing back the story um, in songs, in country music. And so um, I keep busy, as you can see. Um, but I love being a farmer and um, I hope to, you know, spread the word about farming and what happens in the agriculture industry. So tell me, how how was your move? I kind of watched your story um, and I was going to try to share it. Like I said, your little clip about your life of the farmer, but how has your move been and what is what have you seen happen recently in the you know agriculture industry or dairy farming specifically? Because um, yeah, I'm curious, why should people be paying attention? I'm not sure consumers are really aware of what's going on. Yeah, so like I said, 2008, 2009, a lot of the dairy industry had a struggle a lot of farmers did and i think i you know i i am a dairy farmer so i tend to advocate um more for our side because i've seen our industry diminish really aggressively the last 10 years um from california to tennessee it was a good move i love tennessee the state is 
um, for farmers. They really want to listen to us rather than California just handing us regulation on top of regulation um, year after year. And um, I think the biggest struggle for us moving from California to Tennessee is weather. You know, we weren't used to, right now we have, we have snow. Like, we don't have snow <laughs> in California. <laughs> um, we're not used to yesterday being 68 and today being 32. You know, stuff mm -hmm. like that um, has been challenging. And I think, um, you know, growing up, I was a dairy major. State, and then I transferred to the University of Knoxville when we moved just to be close to the farm. And um, I, I'm, you know, very thankful for the things that I learned at Fresno State because those professors prepared me for changes that I see in Tennessee. Um, but the move, I mean, the move was smart. You know, my, my dad had been the dairy industry representative for the state. Um, he was on a lot of boards in California. And so we moved at the correct time to be able to still dairy farm. Because um, I, I, I love, you know, I farmer friends and and I just I just couldn't do that I love the animals too much I love being one-on-one -on -one with the animals and because that was our other option sell the dairy farm and start you know almonds or do more more uh, grapes and uh, I was like I really don't want to do that so <laughs> we uh, that's kind of the decision we made as a family to move and to continue dairy farming no matter how much is against us we still love it and we still want to try to do it our whole life so and what are some of the things that are happening right now in the industry that are affecting agriculture or farmers um, yeah. that maybe we should be talking about or paying attention to? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that people don't understand is like when they see, um, you know, products in the store to understand where that food comes from, value that has been um, missed. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like farmers used to get paid fairly, like really, really good money to be able to run your farm. It's not just, you know, milking the cows, it's buying them the correct feed so that milk can be produced. There's, you know, just like, I, I say this all the time because I used to be dairy princess in California. I always, you know, say examples of families that don't know, understand farming. And so I would always say, you know, when my calf gets sick, they're going to need medicine and I'm going to provide that medicine just like you would provide medicine for your child or your grandpa or your uncle or anything like that. Um, it's the same situation on, of caring for dairy cows. We're going to provide them with the medicine they need to be a healthy, strong calf and eventually a strong cow. And so um, when it comes to the farming industry, I feel like um, we have been devalued. We don't get as much as we deserve as farmers working um, every year, you know, every day. Um, and so, I mean, the biggest thing I would say is just pay attention to what farmers get paid and, and compared to what they are having to pay on a daily basis basis to keep up with their farm and be able to afford and keep farming. And so that's kind of what's going on. I mean, the dairy industry has, has been struggling with getting a fair price for milk for years now. And um, it's, it's our responsibility as the community to understand and support your farmers and, and buy local and, um, you know, just do everything you can to advocate for farmers. Okay, so tell me a little bit about what your journey's like to been like to advocate, right? To be the advocate that you are, and where are you headed? Yeah, so it, it's funny because I've always loved showing cattle. I've always loved riding around with my dad, and it wasn't until I got into college that I understood what we were up against. You know, I was always mm -hmm. a part of 
Farm Bureau growing up, I'd go to meetings. I'm now a young farmers and ranchers. I went through Dairy Challenge. I did Dairy Club in college. Um, I went on these trips that really made me understand how important it is to be a voice for the agriculture community. And I think sometimes farmers get scared to be a voice because it, it's honestly heartbreaking to me when I go to these farms and try to tell them like, we're the only ones that can speak up for ourselves. We need to tell them what we need. And so going through college and having professors that were so aggressive about being a voice for the industry is where it started for me. And then when I got out of college, I came back to the farm and I saw the struggles that my dad had to take on. Um, do we sell? Do we keep going? And that so many friends of mine have have sold uh, their dairy farm. And it's just so um, heartbreaking because they want to keep going. They want, you know, their state to help them. They want the USDA to help them. And sometimes it's like, you know, we can't anymore because nobody understands what the help we need. And so um, moving forward, being an advocate, the the main purpose of why I started the life of the farmer is for people in the industry, higher up, you know, um, people that fight for agriculture, you know, the farm bill is a big one. Um, so they see these stories and understand, man, we're not doing the best job we can do for farmers. We can do better. That's the biggest thing that I want to take away from those series is communities calling, like, why are we not supporting our farmers? And these, you know, people in office, like, we need to do a better job of making sure that our farmers get paid uh, what they deserve. And we need to keep family farm. So, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that I feel like is missing. You know, people are buying up land that have all this money and, um, that's something that America stands for. Oh, did I lose you for a second? Are we good? You're good. What... I can hear you now. Oh. It was cutting out just a little bit. <laughs> No, you're fine. I, I mean, the, just finishing up here is like, I just believe in family farms and I believe that we care more than, you know, these, you know, big corporations taking over farms. And um, that's why I started the series of Life of the Farmer to just know that farms do matter and we should stick around and be able to go generations on generations and keep, um, you know, our mission as a farm and our legacy going. Well, they're our farms are what feed our people, right? And they're what take care of of, of all of our communities. Um, have you seen a big difference in recognition for farm as the pandemic has unfolded or for taking care of our rural communities or our small farms as the pandemic has kind of unfolded, how broken our supply chains are? Or do you think that piece has not really been do you think it's really not sunk in yet? I would say it hasn't sunk in yet. Like I, you know, I, mm. I started a TikTok not too long ago just to be, get on and talk about hard topics that people don't understand. Like, um, you know, the CFAP was frozen and people are like, well, it's just frozen and you can still continue to put in an application for that money for your farm. Right. Um, and my biggest thing was on that was, you know, the, they're using words like climate change and safe practices. And I coming from California, they use that to control the farms. And that's the biggest thing of why, I, you know, I got on there to advocate to tell people like, 
realize that yes, the funding is frozen, but farms are needing that. They're they're now saying that they're not even going to talk about it till March again. So who knows when farmers will get relief for coronavirus? And you know, in my opinion, like a lot of people got money that were struggling, and it's the farmers' time to get some money back from working hard. And the grocery stores were empty. We all know what happened when we first had to go into, um, you know, that break. We had to stay home. We had to work from home. And um, so the biggest thing for me, you know, going through coronavirus and seeing if farmers have actually gotten help, I just don't see it yet. I see it being hidden that they didn't get the help they deserved um, through this through this time. And I'm just hoping that we can um, do better this year for the farmers. Okay, so I heard something the other day. I can't remember who we were talking to or, oh, I was listening to a radio broadcast. It was a podcast about the supply chains in agriculture. And when the supply chain shifted from food being sent to restaurants to grocery stores, that there, there was this massive um, amount of waste or uh, cattle, pigs, pork, all of it that were slaughtered and buried or thrown away, which drives costs down, there's a massive amount of loss, uh, you know, then there's this reoccurring, those farmers aren't going to either have as big of a crop or, you know, raise as, as large of a, what are they, a herd, mm -hmm. um, you know, as they would years previous. And then what happens to our supply chain on the grocery store side? And then what happened when we shifted from, you know, restaurant moving everything to the restaurant, somebody said, well, why couldn't we just turn and ship it over to grocery stores to fill the supply, right? But that supply chain was actually the piece that was really broken as well. Where do you see emphasis, at, you know, what really needs to come down to fix some of that supply chain to protect you guys when, you know, or, or any farm, right? When we, when we see something like this happen again, because this is, you know what I mean? This isn't the last time. I think even more, we're looking now, how do we fix that supply chain? What do you see in a need and yeah. how do we do that? So that was the biggest thing that I also talked about, you know, um, on Facebook and TikTok is like people didn't understand that, you know, farmers were dumping milk, like Wisconsin, Virginia, big time. And not only were they dumping milk, but that's a product that they pay for. And even though we were getting some money, you know, we weren't getting as much. I think it was like a 30% decrease um, that we were getting for that milk. Like that's a pride thing for a farmer to be able to produce like, you know, just whatever their amount was to just dump it right in front of them. So mm -hmm. yeah, people didn't understand that crops were being produced, but it was being thrown away. Cattle were being harvested but they were just they weren't going anywhere people didn't understand when the country shuts down and you have a food supply only so much of that can be used like restaurants were shut down schools kids get lunch and you know breakfast every day um they're well, not and the need yeah. the need didn't stop right the need maintained but it shifted to how we as consumers were able to receive it right yeah. but the supply chain from farm to those people could not keep up yeah right yeah i mean it it was just kind of a crazy thing because yeah it shifted but on the other end i wish we could have found something i don't know to keep up with that waste you know oh yeah put it somewhere else instead of just throwing it away and and, and devalue it 
Like it just, it just didn't make any sense to me um, during that time of how we couldn't um, make that food more available, I guess. And, and what do you think we need to be doing to protect ourselves for the next time? Oh gosh. I mean, it's hard as a farmer to like have an opinion about that because we've voiced it so many times. Um, we always say, you know, be prepared for something like this. And, you know, we're going to be working no matter what, whatever the demand is, we want to fill it. Um, but it, it, it just, it's almost like for us as farmers, we feel like they, the government tries to control the food supply sometimes because um, we can make whatever you, whatever the world needs, whatever the United States needs, we want to make and produce it as farmers. But sometimes, you know, when we get those low, low prices or, you know, like we talked about right, right before this, when the demand shifts, where is the food supply going to go? Like how much are they going to release? Um, and so it, I really couldn't, I, I really couldn't say much about it, you know, um, being where I am in, in, in my lifetime, I, I want to learn more about how we can help with when this does happen. Uh, but right now, I think the biggest thing for me is just to tell people where their food comes from and how they can help, I guess, like we said, when this does happen again. Well, this is where I think, you know, we go, I hear often from a number of different people from medical to agriculture um, tech that supplying our rural and local areas, you know, by local, how important and how valuable it is to be able to supply within that hundred mile radius, you know, and take care of your own supply chain. And, and so that then when something big happens, right, or it just goes to show, does global supply chain really work? Because if we're dependent on, you know, large amounts of volume, even grain, right? When there was this big um, storm this summer in the Midwest, you know, it took out all those silos and that millions of acres of, yeah. of grain, um, how catastrophic that is to our industry, but you know, how devastating it is to cost and consumers on a big scale when we're not able to just access it, have resources within our area, right? Um, What's the volume? Do you mind me asking that you're like, how far are you guys selling milk to? Where does it go? How much? What is it? Um, well, we sell to, um, you know, public right yeah. now. Oh. Um, and it's, it just depends, you know, um, we have about two to three trucks a day going um, to the plants. Um, at least two, sometimes three, it just depends on demand. And that, that was the other thing, you know, some, you know, we moved from a different plant, which I'm not going to name, um, because of, you know, that's the other thing that we should stress about is like, we as farmers produce the product and sometimes it gets full. And so that's where you run into some, um, tricky situations or, you know, again, like going back to those regulations, like it, it I lost your sound. Oh, you're back. Am I here? Yep, you're good. Okay. Yeah, well, it just didn't used to be. Are you getting a call? Uh-oh. Let's see if she comes back on. 
Well, real quick, while she's not on, I don't know if her video is just off or if she can hear me, but Steph, if you can, holler um, and we'll join back in. But I want to give a shout out to our sponsor today, um, Kirk over at Western Ag Works. He's got incredible product, um, seed manufacturer, seed um, cleaning and treatment, as well as harvesting equipment for both, um, I guess, hemp and other equipment. <laughs> so shout out. Hi, Stephanie, you're back. I'm really yes, glad. I'm Did you get a call, I assume? Sometimes yeah, I got a call and I was like, can't call me right now. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. Okay, anyways, go ahead. What were, what were you saying no, that we should stress? Oh no, yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, yeah, and it's about like having the availability to send milk to the plants, right? Because about, I think it was like two years ago, um now yeah probably about two years ago you know farms in maryland were dumping milk like crazy because they didn't have anywhere to go so i feel like as an agriculture industry like going again going to those people that make the big decisions for usda and for the agriculture industry it's our responsibility as a country to have plants available for farmers to ship milk to and have that supply like i just feel like there's not enough facilities for family farms to be able to produce because a lot of family farms were being told they couldn't ship their milk anymore. That's why they went out of business. They didn't have anywhere to ship their milk to. So sadly, you know, we, we put somebody out of business that has an amazing farm and amazing cattle, and we can't even have a plant to supply the product for. And so, um, that's the biggest thing that I, I would like to see in our industry is to have plants available for these family farms to succeed, to bring the products to you and your families and to have that supply um, in the agriculture industry, in any industry, not even just dairy farming. I 100% agree with you. This is something <laughs> we talk about in the hemp space, right, is how do we provide opportunity to small farms to compete in the market growing hemp or raising cattle or dairy farm, anything, any piece of it, right? And I really do, it goes back to a co-op or some sort of facility that allows them a place to take their their goods, right? And and I don't know if it's co-op, I don't know how to structure it. I, I've throw, thrown that around a few times on the processing side for hemp, um, you know, to open a national co-op basically that allows rural farmers a place to take their goods yeah it would i mean in the end it would always be nice to have a safe haven for farmers owned by farmers right because sure. we know what's going on we can control the price of the product and in the end we know that our product is going to get to the plant be a great product to go out to the stores to families and so i mean in and it, it and before, you know, I, I was too young to understand before 2000, 2008, 2009, you know, I'm only 27 years old, but I do realize before that time, people like appreciated farmers, right? You could go to the fairs, you could touch the animals. You wouldn't have to worry about people suing that when they got sick or people saying that it was inhumane, people understood why we farmed the way we did. And so going back to what we were saying, like it would be nice for farmers to own their own co-op and be able to say this is a fair price. This is what's going to keep me in business. This is what's going to pay my bills for me to keep farming for my family. And um, I think that's something that we need as an industry to help us, you know, to help family farms keep going because we're struggling right now. Right. Um, so where do you see yourself headed? 
tell me where you're going and what kind of support do we, where can we jump in and really support you and your mission? Yeah. So I guess the biggest thing is the life of the farmer. Um, mm -hmm. I love those episodes. You know, I, I fund that right now all by myself. Um, I have two videographers that believe in, you know, what I'm doing and they help me, they travel with me to different States and get all this content of farmers around. Um, so far I've done Montana, Kentucky, Tennessee, and South Carolina. And, uh, I'm going to probably travel to Alabama in the next month. Uh, hopefully Ohio. I would love to go to Ohio. My brother is actually a Wilming Wilmington college graduate. So, um, he is from, uh, he spent four years of his life in Ohio. Um, and then obviously I want to get back to California. That's originally where I'm from. I know so many farmers um, that are just humble people that would love to brag about the Central Valley a lot. Um, so hopefully I can get over there during the summer and um, tell their story. Because there's, there's so many products that are grown in California that people are kind of blind to because you know you have san francisco you have los angeles y'all the central valley is in california that is like the biggest agriculture you know um county in the united states and so i would love to get out there and just share their story as well um but yeah just the mission is to keep the farm running you know we have um a creamery we opened last se september um to kind of help with our dairy farm um, so that's Nash Family Creamery. It's in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, um, 45 minutes south of Nashville. So um, if you guys are in the area, please come support us. We sell ice cream, local products. We're opening a cheese plant, hopefully this spring. And so it's it, it's something that farmers have to do now to be able to pay bills. You know, it's it's it. We love it. Obviously, we love opening a creamery, bringing the community together. But it's sad that farmers have to, you know, really look to other ways for income to keep the farm running. And we, I mean, I love the farm. I, that's my first love. That's my commitment. I love the creamery too. But if I can come out here at 5 a.m. and you know, feed the calves and produce a great herd and great product and just make happy cows, that's, that's my love first. That's where a lot of people are not, right? It's hard work, Stephanie. And what you're doing is commendable. I appreciate everything. So thank you very, very much. And just FYI, cheese is my favorite. I'm glad <laughs> something I should have quit a long time ago, but I will be out. I love it. As soon as you said that, I was like, mm. um, <laughs> so when we talk about education, right, I see hemp, there's so many benefits to hemp on the agriculture side for water consumption, what it's doing for the earth, the carbon dioxide, or carbon sequestering, um, so many pieces. It's now being used in feed. It's high in omegas, omega fatty acids, right? Where where do you see the need for education and where can we bridge that gap? How do we really bridge the gap to really educate farmers or anybody in agriculture, you know, about the opportunity to integrate hemp into the, their crop or their rotation or their feed, so forth? Well, you know, we've talked about this like on some calls. And I think the first thing um, that farmers need is that trust again, you know, like um, having those products that work because in the industry, people will say, well, this works, this works. And you spend so much money on this one product for it not to work. And so I think there's been so many years of like distrust and, and not being faithful to companies that 
helped agriculture 15, 20 years back and, and they were truthful and had good prices. And now it's almost like you buy this product to save your farm and then it doesn't work and you sell out. And so moving forward, you know, hemp association, dear, you know, farmers everywhere, agriculture industry, um, like you said, to bridge that gap is just coming back with that trust of what farmers need and, and, you know, being able to produce a product that's not going to put that farm out of business and help them in the end and make their, their farm far more profitable. And so um, I think, you know, moving forward is that we can make that relationship and be stronger in every part of the agriculture industry um, and including hemp and just moving forward to educate farmers on what they actually need for their farm. Right. Well, okay. So again, relationships are key, right? People buy from, from people they know and trust and people are willing to get in. And there's been so much false advertising or marketing about the benefits of hemp um, or how easy it is to grow or the gold mine you're going to make when you do grow it, right? There's a lot of risk or what, or has been. Um, where do you suppose, how do we build that, that trust? You know, what does that look like with them? Is it one-on-one -on -one relationships? Is it podcasts? Is it, what, what is that that maybe is missing um, that really we need to do in order to bring them on board and really to give them an opportunity to survive, right? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, um, me and Edwin were talking about this the other day is understanding each, each industry, right? Not every farmer is the same. Not every farmer needs you know, this product, sometimes this farmer needs this product and um, knowing your market, right? So I would say the biggest thing that I've seen is knowing who your representatives in their state. I talked about this earlier. My dad was a dairy representative in the state. He was somebody that people could come to to understand what was happening in the dairy industry, what the dairy industry needed for California now, you know, as he's on the board for Tennessee now, he advocates for what dairy industry needs in Tennessee. And so for people out there watching that are trying to help farmers in the Heaven Association, it's it's really understanding the that industry. So um, going to things like, you know, Georgia and Savannah has that um, dairy conference or the National Beef Association that's coming to Nashville, taking the opportunity to talk with farmers that will take 10, 15 minutes to talk to you about what your product is and respecting the farmer and just listening to what their needs are and then coming in and being like, Hey, this is something that I think could really help you. You know, let's do a trial run. Let's, you know, how can I help you be successful and benefit you in the end. And so, um, I've said this and I'll keep saying it. It's, it's just listening to the farmer and their needs and their industry. And I think that's somewhere we can just, you know, bridge the gap again. We were given two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? Yep. We've got to get better at listening. And, and I, I agree. I, I think this is part of where my passion has come is I am really excited about being able to put a microphone in front of people like yourself or a dairy, anybody, right? Any type of farmer, any type of manufacturer, any medical professional, literally anybody and be able to say, what is it you're doing and what do you need and how can hemp benefit? Right. And so I'm really excited. What about ability to reach different age groups from, you know, teenage and junior high and younger to 60 plus? I mean, that's a they're receiving information very differently. Right. How do we how do we really reach each of them? 
Yeah, because this is funny. This is why, you know, you can go on YouTube and watch the my my song Time Changes was about my life and agriculture. And we did a story lately, like the last two weeks that I really cared about, like the fiction behind the song. And I, I laughed because me and my dad are the same person, opposite at the same time, right? Super passionate, huge advocates. Um, we want to make smart cho choices financially to keep our farm. Um, but the thing that he, you know, in my generation that he doesn't understand is like being open to new ideas and, and, and practicing in different ways than you did before, right? This generation, there wasn't heavy to farm the way you want to be for good. And in my generation, farms have been sold, prices have not been. So how do we you know, communicate with people in the agriculture industry? And so um, it, it's just crazy to me because, I mean, I've been like, even on Dairy Challenge, I would go and evaluate a dairy, right? Financials, reproduction, everything. And you had to be really sensitive to that, like 60, 50 age group because that's their baby. That's their farm. That's everything. They would literally sell their house and just have their farm. And then you go to those 30, 40 generations that, you know, they came back from college and took over the farm. And then you have my generation where it's kind of iffy because not everybody's coming back to the farm. So they don't understand what they actually need to do to keep the farm. Right. And so um, every age group is differently. And that's why I help, I handle it, you know, um, with dedication and perseverance because um, understanding the farmer and um, realizing what they actually need at their age group, it, it, it can be kind of tricky, but it's the way that you, um, you know, make those relationships in the end that will help you in the hemp association and understand what kind of farmer they, they, they are, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I, well, and not just us, right. People selling into, into the industry. Hemp again, is it's not like people aren't going to only come to us, but eventually anybody in the hemp industry is going to be entering another vertical you know, or, or another industry and understanding what it is that they need, if, you know, and what it is that their challenges actually are. Um, and, and this is why I get excited. I'm, I'm excited talking to you because I, your passion is very obvious, right? And it's very clear that it's really about the, the farmer. It's not about what's in your pocket or just your success, but really the, the farmer. So Joanna, hi, Joanna. I don't know if you're still listening, but, um, or Joanne, I don't know why I called her Joanna. Joanne, she said, Stephanie, I heard a myth. Cheese tastes better coming from cows that doesn't have a lot of stress. True. She's a girlfriend of mine out in Roosevelt. And so if she's listening, hello, thank you for joining. I've never heard that. That's interesting. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I always, I mean, obviously for cows, especially dairy cattle, they're very independent, right? So anytime you're, you know, moving them or, you know, if they get sick, you need to handle them with care. They're very fragile um, animals. And so I've never heard that. You know, I always hear, you know, Jersey cows have more butter fat. So they're better to produce cheese because cheese needs more fat in it. Um, but I haven't heard the stressful part that it tastes better. <laughs> that's new to me. I would imagine anything that's less stressed is better to consume. However, taste is COVID has ruined my taste. I'm sure taste is probably preference, right? Or how it's processed. There's a lot to put into it. But um, yeah, definitely a, a changing point. So what else? Tell me a little bit more. What's been your favorite? Tell me about your songs you're writing. 
Yeah. So um, Time Changes was the new song that I released um, about agriculture, my background. And then I dedicated the music video um, to farmers everywhere, kind of, you know, just to listen to the words and understand the lyrics. Um, but I also do love some edgy country. I love um, like if we're talking about, you know, mentors like Brooks and Dunn, Leanne Rimes, uh, Reba McIntyre, like all these people have paved a way like these storytellers, right? I love that part. Um, I write all my music that I've released. I've either been a co-writer on it or I've written myself. And so being able to be in the studio and like um, just write music and produce it and release it and see how people feel about it is awesome. And then on the side, and uh, I guess not really on the side, the side is music. The main job is agriculture and, and farming, right? Um, and so being able to combine that has been just so much fun. I love it. <laughs> It's well, it's right where you're you're hitting your home, right? Right where your heart is. Um, so how can people get in touch with you if on your YouTube channel? Where else? How do, if somebody has a question or wants to reach out? Do you have somebody that that manages or where will they find you next? What's what's coming up? Yeah. So if you want to find me uh, uh, on YouTube, you can look up the life of a farmer, Stephanie Nash. Subscribe to that channel, um, and you can watch all of the episodes. Our new, our new season comes out February 26th, so be looking for that. Um, it's a friend from Kentucky. Um, her and her family own a smaller farm, but she actually has about 50,000, 60,000 people on Instagram, and then she, her YouTube is is huge. She gets two to 300,000 views. She's a huge advocate as well, um, and... So be looking for that because her story was unbelievable. Her dad is so humbling and I got to interview them. Um, Instagram, Stephanie Nash Music. Um, I'm I'm not really a Twitter person. I get on just to check everything. Um, I'm on TikTok though. Um, Stephanie Nash Music, you can look up TikTok. I use that as a platform to kind of just advocate for what's going on in agriculture. I try to look up things like weekly. Like I just posted about the Super Bowl commercial, the Jeep commercial. Um, I was like, man, that made me feel so proud to be an American. I love Bruce Springsteen. And I love that, you know, Kansas got some spotlight, that beautiful farmland. And just like I, there hasn't been a commercial during the Super Bowl since God made a farmer. So I was just really proud to be able to like share the light. It's not even about the commercial. It's about like what they're talking about, how much produce from the agriculture industry in Missouri and Kansas. That's great advocacy for the agriculture community. And so... I get hyped up on there. You can watch all my stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can you can contact me whenever I run everything and I would love to um, connect with farmers everywhere. That's awesome. So knowing a little bit, you've been to a couple of the Global Health Association meetings and a couple of different, you know, had some sat in in conversations. What are products you see that would be a hit in the consumer market or agriculture that are hemp related? You know, knowing a little bit about just kind of what you've heard. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember, um, John and I had a conversation and I'm yeah. trying to remember the name of the product and I read about it last night too, so I'm blanking. Um, Alphamite or there was a product yeah. Yeah, yes. And that was something that I was reading on because I was like, man, that could that could make cattle super strong. Like the just the benefits of it and the research they've done on it. And that was one that that really got to me because in the in the weather changes. Right. And in 
places where animals could be super stressed out. Um, that is a product that I myself would love to try because I think that could be very beneficial to people that have animals. Sure. So that's not a hemp product. It's but not John, a hemp product. No, John, who is one of our members that has a mill and a decorticating facility, um, a wool mill, basically a hemp and wool mill, owns also or is part owner in an Ignambrite mine. Oh, that's funny. I <laughs> but Ignambrite is really... Yeah, he's such an advocate for you guys and he's done so much. That's why I was like, well, maybe it's part of, because I was trying, I was reading about it last night, what he sent mm -hmm. me. And I was like, I wonder if it's, you know, part of the Hemp Association. But that's funny that he, you said that right now. I would have never thought that it was that he's doing, you know, because he's so involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I could think... Yeah, that's I just that's crazy that I, I said that and then it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, and it just goes to show you the kind of people. I think your screen's frozen. I don't know if you can see me. Are my frozen still on your screen? Oh, I lost you again. Oh, here you go. Okay. Oh, you're gone again. Can you hear me? Okay, well, shout out again to Kirk at Western Ag Works. Um, thank you very much for sponsoring. Thanks for joining everybody that's listening. Um, if you need anything, don't hesitate to holler, reach out, share our broadcast. If you guys are looking for other interviews, go to our YouTube channel at Global Hemp Association. But Western Ag Works, seed processing, cold storage, hemp manufacturing facility in Colorado. Contact Kirk at westernagworks.com if you have any questions. Um, I don't know if Steph's going to come back on. If anybody has anything else or any questions, don't hesitate to drop them. I'd love to answer any questions while we are on. Other than that, the, oh, you're back. Perfect timing. Maybe. <laughs> Let's see if it works. Okay, good. Uh, I was just saying it just goes to show that in our meetings that, you know, it's drawing people from all different verticals and all different industries. But Ignambrite is, uh, works really well for coating cannabis seeds and hemp seeds um, and makes them grow stronger, have a stronger root base. And so it's being used in the industry. So he blew up in the hemp and cannabis industry initially because of the ignorance. And then, yeah. So that's yeah, really that's funny. Incredible. I think it is an incredible product. It's organic and all natural. It's just mined up in Montana. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So cool, cool. Well, yeah. um, I'm super excited. I'd really like to see in the... Um, agriculture space, you know, hemp hats, hemp um, bedding, hemp um, blankets for horses, right? The ropes being made out of it. Um, yeah, that's the big thing that I would have got at too, second after that is, you know, horses and their therapy and CBD and, and the Hemp Association helping with horses recover from races or horses recovering, you know, the rodeo, like barrel racing, anything like that. That was the biggest thing that I would have said next for an industry that would really take off with the Hemp Association because um, not only uh, is it used for um, things across the agriculture industry, but therapy is a big one to recover. And uh, so that would be another one that I think of that would be very useful right away. That's awesome. I actually, there's a farm or a horse uh, therapy. I don't really know what it's called. Maybe you can help me. <laughs> I'm 
from Wyoming and you'd think I would know this a little bit better growing up where I did, but I'm, I don't. Um, but that's what they do. And they were specifically doing research and working with CBD and hemp. And oh. so, yeah. so it's kind of exciting. I think there's still research just like consumables, right? It's kind of early yet to put out what some of the claims are or promise some of those claims. But I think on the consumer end, you know, when we talk about the availability and then providing that outlet for our farmers to have somewhere for their product to go, you know, they're, if they're growing hemp as a crop um, and we're able to harvest it, you know, process it and then turn it into rope or blankets or anything in the rodeo industry, right? Anything in yeah. the, I think it'd be great, great, yeah. great opportunity. Well, cool, Stephanie, I sure appreciate your time. Um, I look forward to having you involved more. Is there anything that I specifically can do um, or our association can do for you immediately? Um, I would just say, just like share and subscribe. Like, I just grow farmers um, across the United States and advocate for these. Um, so that would be the biggest thing. Okay, perfect. Well, however I can do that, I will definitely highlight, I will share it. Um, I'd love to continue, like I said, having you involved in our meetings um, and then get some of our farmers on your show. I'd love to go with you to, yeah, really highlight some of our big farmers that have come to is, and really, I think so many of them have come to us with this, you know, they're seeking an alternative revenue resource. They're seeking something different than what they have that either pulls them off of government assistance or gives them gives them a good rotation crop. So I guess perfect timing. Stephanie, thank you very much for joining us. Everybody else that's still listening, I sure appreciate you joining. Please follow. I think my next interview is actually Thursday, not tomorrow, but Thursday. And for those of you that are just tuning in um, and are interested in joining any of our meetings, you can find us at globalhempassociation.org or send me an email, mandy at globalhempassociation.org, and I'll get you invited so that you can also participate. Anyway, Steph, anything else before we take off? Just support your local farmers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you, thank you. You're awesome. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. See you later.